Mindset Game Podcast, and I'm your host, James Roberts. I'm a two-time Paralympian, online training and nutrition coach, and owner of James Roberts Fitness. You can find more of my content by going to my website, fitamputee.co.uk. But before we get started with today's show, first off, let me take this opportunity to welcome back the regular listeners. And if this is your first time listening to the show, I hope you enjoy this episode and decide to subscribe to the show. And on today's show, I've got Peter Harding. In 2012, Peter Harding had a brain injury. Before that, he played football from the age of four and made it to a high level by playing for Fulham's Development Centre. After his brain injury, he had to learn everything again and he realised that he couldn't play football anymore. In 2012, the Paralympics also happened and he saw disability football for the first time. At this point, he realised that disability sports weren't getting the recognition they deserve. As a result, he created Why Can't We? They are now setting up disability sports teams and events as well as using social media to raise the awareness Please use hashtag WCW and get involved in promoting disability so everyone can know, knows about it. So welcome on to the show, Peter. Thank you. Hello. How are you? I'm not too bad. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, good. Okay, thank you. So before we delve into today's topic, Peter, can you talk to us obviously about your kind of upbringing, how you got into football in the first place? Yeah, so, so I was four years old. Um, and my dad thought, well, we need to get active and start playing some football. So I was taken down to um, a local team to go and play some football, age four. Uh, and all my friends are down there. He went to primary school, and, or to nursery, sorry, at that time. So I went and played with them and thought, that's it's really good fun. Um, and kept on getting taken down by my dad and mum as well. And then eventually... Obviously, growing up throughout the whole time, being supported by my mum and dad to play sports and play football, um, I got reasonably good. Uh, and the coach was really supportive. I really enjoyed working under him, named a man called Ian Wheeler. Uh, and he had lots of hilarious ideas about how to change football for the best, and um, some of them involving uh, using a smaller ball and using the bigger goals for people to score more goals and so on and so forth uh, and it was really good fun just to play football there uh, I met all my friends through football um, and mum and dad really supported me throughout the whole thing bringing me up and yeah, sort of teaching me how, how to be disciplined in sport and how to enjoy it as well as work at it as well so I managed to get to Fulham's development team uh, and as you said earlier on, I had a brain injury in 2012 um, and I had to learn to walk, talk, eat, drink, everything again from scratch. Now, most people say, you know, how did you, you learn to do that? Most of it comes back to you as, uh, I don't know, as if you, you were knocked on the head and you had to learn how to talk again. It, would, it does come back to you. Um, it's not like learning from, like a baby does. So... For me, it was quite good because everything came back reasonably quickly and I was able to recover. Uh, so I was in intensive care in a coma for a week um, and then in hospital for a month where I had to learn to walk, talk and eat. Back home for a month uh, where I started revising for my GCSEs and then uh, a rehab place called Tadworth, um, the Children's Trust. And again, carrying on with rehab and um, getting to know different people. Then I went back home and went back to school and sort of life started to continue. And I thought, right, I want to try and get back into football. Uh, and I, I started running at the time and um, getting back to full fitness. So I went to my local team uh, called AFC Brooklyn, uh, coached by a guy, guy called Jez Taylor, who was really, really supportive, and worked at the local FA. And he said, right, let's try and get you back into football. We'll start with you on the B team. And then you can just work your way back up to the A team and you can play as per normal. Um, which I thought, yeah, that's going to work. Unfortunately, uh, having a disability, it doesn't allow you just to play straight away with the A team. So went to the B team and I hated it because everything I was trying to do wouldn't happen. Trying to pass a simple football across the pitch 
to another player on my team would end up with an own goal or something stupid like that. So I thought, right, I need to try and improve my football skills. Or try and you know, break back up into the football. So mum and dad were very supportive in trying to encourage me to you know, get back playing and get get to as good a stand as I was before. So I go down to the local park and I practice with dad and I try and all these things and kept on playing for the B team and I kept on coming home crying, saying I'm not going to play football ever again. And then mum and dad would say, no, you are. Come on, let's do this. 2012 was also the year of the Paralympics, as you know. Uh, and mum was on the computer constantly trying to get tickets for different events, especially for the Paralympics. And she managed to get tickets for seven-a-side football for the Paralympics. And we thought, oh, it's going to be seven-a-side blind football. So we went along and um, sat down and watched, watched the games unfold. And we realised, oh, hold on, it's not blind football, it's cerebral palsy and brain injury football. And on the side of the pitch it had BBC Get Inspired. So I thought, okay, I'll go onto that and follow on the link, see what happens. And it said, find a local team near you, so I did. Uh, and the local team was Chelsea's disability team. So that day, went back home, contacted Chelsea, and uh, they said, come along for a trial did that and then went and played for Chelsea for well, up, and, up until now I've moved up to Manchester now um, and I had an, the most amazing time you know, getting quite quite a good standard of football, playing for Chelsea representing them, going to countries such as Barcelona and meeting Messi on the pitch um, and all of the Barcelona team going to Zurich and Liechtenstein to go and represent Chelsea was just you know, an amazing thing. And the whole time, my mum and dad were always there to support me and my brother. So the whole family having support there. Um, but also it took a lot of determination and a lot of willpower just to get back to playing football. Because a lot of people could have, you know, seen, I can't get to that standard. I was playing quite a good standard and now I'm not. And just give up. But the ability to play for Chelsea and seeing what could happen in the future made me think, well, it's an opportunity. So, um, yeah, my, my upbringing was uh, a lot of mental sort of uh, learning, learning how to be mentally quite strong in situations. Uh, and that was because of mum and dad and the support of the family. If we take a step back, Peter, do you... How know the underlying cause of how you got the brain injury? Was it kind of um, how do I put this off the cuff um, freak accident? Uh, yes, it was. So uh, I, I I can't really remember the actual accident itself because um, well, I'll explain. So when I, when I I left choir practice because the next day we had a concert um, and we were performing with the choir. So we had a sort of a practice rehearsal the day before. So I went with them to, the, to rehearse, finished that, cycled home. Um, Mum was at home, made her a cup of tea, and then went upstairs to my bedroom. And all I can remember is walking up the stairs, uh, but I can't remember anything further than that. Uh, anyway, Mum was downstairs working away, doing her stuff, and thought, I haven't had Peter for a while. Uh, and came upstairs and found that something had been caught around my neck and my heart had stopped. So they called the ambulance um, and she was doing resuscitation and all the the other stuff to keep me there. Um, the ambulance got there and they did the defibrillator um, to get my heart started again. Finally got that started and they rushed me and mum off to the hospital. Um, and then I was in induced coma. And Dad was walking home and he always tells me that when he was walking home, he saw flashing lights at the end of the road. And he thought, oh God, something's happened to our neighbour. Uh, and as he's walking back, Pauline, who's actually our neighbour, said, no, something's happened to Peter. And Dad then got rushed off to hospital as well and joined us. Uh, at the time, my brother was in Sheffield um, doing university and... Mum and Dad thought, we're not going to tell him yet because it was 
what, 10 o'clock at night at that point. So they told him the next day, you got the first train down, and then they spent a lot of time at the hospital looking after me. Um, and a lot of it I can't remember. So talking about it's quite odd because it's something I wasn't really there for, uh, although I was the whole time. Just not, you know, physically I was there. Mentally I wasn't there at all. So um, it is a very odd thing to talk about, but equally I'm open to asking, so people ask me questions about it really. And you kind of moved on to, let's see if I get this right. Why Why can't we? Kind yes. of, what was the kind of the driving force behind that? You talked about the BBC Get Inspired website to obviously kind of open your eyes to what avenues you could actually do within for your own perspective. But why did you want to set up something and to kind of go further than that? So the idea of why can't we was that when I first started playing football, uh, disbelief football, sorry, uh, I didn't know anything about it. And for me, being an able-bodied person before and then being disabled... I realised how naive I was to the whole world of disability sports. Uh, and obviously, more people know about disability sports now, thanks to 2012. But I feel like, without that, what what do people know about disability sports? Other than the Olympics, or the Invictus Games, or some of these major events, no one really knows much about disability sport and what happens. So going to play for Chelsea, I'd you know, go out there and represent them at Barcelona when we'd come back with the cup uh, and then I'd go back to school and no one would know so at the same time I was being the captain of Chelsea John Terry is the captain of Chelsea's able-bodied team now if you compare me to him he's earning how much? Mm-hmm. so much money you can't, you know, it's insane everyone would know him so if you walk past him in the street you'd know him um, and just the recognition that he's sort of a top person in sport and that he's representing his country and his team and he's doing this incredible thing. Uh, and then when I got home from playing football abroad, I'd go back to school and everyone go, oh, how was it? And there wouldn't be anything near as much. So it wasn't for, obviously, just myself, it was for the whole team. Um, and I thought, well, this isn't right. And disability sport isn't given as much coverage as it should be. So I created a website, a, a thing on Facebook called Raising More Awareness Disability Sport in Society and the Media to Make an Impact on People Involved or something. It was really, really long. Uh, and I thought, that'll do for now. I started posting you know, the events that are happening near, near you and things about sort of more of the national teams and so on and so forth. And friends and family got really involved and enjoying what I was posting. Uh, I'm also involved in the FA Disability Committee for representing disability football on a national level, which is quite an interesting thing to see and be involved in. I, I won't kid you on that. And I also went to the Youth Forum and I was part of the, the... local youth forums uh, and I was quite heavily involved in all the sort of background and politics of football including coaching as well so I did my level one coaching match and I thought well I've got all of this stuff and I know disability sports still isn't getting enough coverage and we went to a national football event um, with about 100 other young people and I was telling them about my idea and someone said that's a great idea. Why don't we call it something like Why Can't We? And suddenly the name stuck. Um, and that that day we finished and I went home. I was sitting on the train and the two ladies were sitting opposite me who were both involved in the media. Uh, and I was sitting there drawing a poster of Why Can't We? Um, which originally was a man running up up the world with an amputated, amputated leg. Uh, and... I thought, oh, this this is going to be amazing. So good. It's going to change the world. And, you know, slowly but surely, 
you do more and more things around disability sports and you get more involved and more invested in the amazing stories that people have and also the support that you're given as well is incredible but then there's not enough still so why can't we for me it was kind of about trying to tell people a story about how disability sport is happening constantly and how to get involved and you know all the events that are happening near you whether it's local international paralympics whatever it could be so i was trying to get that story out there but also i was trying to think about how can we get um support for teams who aren't getting enough support uh and recently one of the big teams for me i'm supporting at the moment so i did a triathlon last weekend um to raise money for them and it was for the england amputee football team so they don't get any funding from the fa but they are self-funding themselves to go out to mexico for the world cup um and they've got a 21-year-old manager called Owen Cole Jr., who's a fantastic guy, really interesting to talk to. Um, he's very down-to-earth, and he knows exactly what he wants to do with the England team. And he, yeah, I was talking to him the other day, and he seems really passionate about it. And I thought, well, why, why aren't we funding this amazing team who could come back with the World Cup? So hence, I did the triathlon, raised a bit of money, and, um, yeah, he's very thankful for it now. But then also, as I said before, I'm involved in the BBC now. So I actually work for them, uh, which is quite interesting. So you've gone from you know, not being involved in disability sports at all to suddenly being involved in disability sports and working for the BBC, which is kind of the ideal combination to raise, raise awareness. So my role here is a production management assistant, which is sort of looking after the talent and it's quite like a glorified runner, if you like. Um, but with that, I've met some amazing people, so you know, Gary Lineker and all, all these incredible people. And one of them was Phil Neville. And we were standing at match today, and I was explaining to him how I'd won this um, Young Volunteer of the Year Award for 2016. Um, I'll go into that later on. And I thought, right, this is an opportunity for me to you know, talk to someone who's incredible. But he's also got Salford City, the football club, set up as well. So I was saying about my disability and how I coach disability football and all of this stuff. And he said, why don't you come down to Salford and set a disability team up? And as a result, I've got in touch with a guy called Andrew Gordon. And we're now working together to try and look at setting up a team for them. Um, but whilst that was happening, I thought, well, why don't you get in touch with another team as well and try and set one up as well? Just a local team. So I've got another team called Barhill JFC, who I'm trying to set a team up for as well. Um, so there's two teams I've managed right now sort of helping to um, set teams up for. And again, this is another opportunity where Why Can't We is about trying to get people involved and trying to you know, encourage people to get active and, and see the world of disability sport on a level that you maybe wouldn't have if you didn't have a disability. But let me ask you this question now, Peter. It's maybe a little bit controversial with you working for the BBC. Do you, do you think they don't go far enough in terms of Obviously, would the people within Britain listen to this uh, know that there is a section on the website that is very much dedicated dis to disability sport? Do you think that doesn't go far enough? It's it's a hard one because obviously there's so many different factors involved. Uh, you know, different people have to have different contracts here and different contracts there. So I understand that things can't happen as quickly as they want to. And they they can't do as much as they want because Channel Four might have the rights to something, or you know, there's competitors that have stuff. So I feel the BBC can do more and should do more, but there's also an understanding that they can't do everything. So yes, I understand that BBC Sport is such a big name, and I think they can do so much with that name, but then. If they haven't got the rights, what can you do? Um, but no, I, I think the BBC Sport could do more um, and I'm trying to encourage them to do more. Uh, so recently I've been pitching ideas to them about doing a feature on the amputee team before they go to Mexico, which looks like it's going to happen. Um, and also I've been talking about doing a feature on how to set a disability team up and how to get involved uh, there as well. 
So hopefully on the horizon there are things coming up from BBC Sport, but um, I don't want to talk too soon either. And you, you raised a good point there with raising awareness for disability, and I think coming from a football perspective, I think it's probably the re- the best way to do it. Because, But on the flip side to that, Peter, shouldn't maybe, well, just not just say English clubs, but British clubs, kind of follow the model, say, the likes of, say, the Germans, the Spanish, where it's very much a community sport. It's not solely, the club is not solely represented by football. So if we use kind of Barcelona as the example that you said previously, they do sports such as basketball um, and countless others. Could the British teams not go back to, and this is kind of an age old era when they kind of were in the community a little bit more and did kind of dip their hand into other sports. Would that be not an avenue for them to kind of re-engage with that community by getting involved with disability sport? I think it is. Uh, and I, I think obviously the BBC can do so much and the England teams can do so much with, the funding they get and the uh, and all the politics that happens around it as well, because you've got to remember, sport is, you know, sport is sport, but also there's a lot of politics involved in it, which you have to try and battle with, and you have to try and climb over hoops and hurdles and whatever else. Uh, but if you're willing to do it, obviously, put your all into it. Um, and if I don't know, say say you've got a disability team where, or any team, you want to try and set up a new team. Go and ask them. Even if it is a football team, go and ask them, can I set up a basketball team with you? Can I go and do this? Because a lot of the time, people probably haven't got the understanding about how to do it or what to do. But if you do, and you feel like you feel confident enough to go forward and ask someone, can I set up a basketball team? Nine times out of ten, they'll say yes, because they'll want to branch out and they'll want to expand their understanding as well. Uh, and with sport, we're always learning, we're always developing. And again, like I say, most people will say yes. So England FA football team doing basketball, probably not so much. Maybe the players might do it as an outside thing, but maybe the football team wouldn't get aligned with I don't know, the basketball team or the sitting volleyball team um, just because their funding is under a different pot. But equally... We are all Sport England and we are all working under the same umbrella, if you like. So, yeah, it's interesting. But there, Peter, when you said the English amputee football team wasn't getting funded to go out to a World Cup, does that come down to the fact that, unlike its counterparts of, say, blind football and CP football, it's not under the Paralympic umbrella? Does that does that what is hurting its uh, cash flow, so to speak? So, Amputee England were originally under the FA umbrella, as far as I'm aware. Uh, I need to do some more research myself into this. Um, as far as I'm aware, they were under the umbrella. They then uh, lost the funding, and they've now got a charity set up, uh, which is the England Amputee Football Team. So, my triathlon that I did, if you go to www.gofundme um, forward slash triathlon hyphen four hyphen England hyphen amputees, then it comes up with my uh, funding page where I was trying to raise awareness for them and raise some money. And all of that money goes directly into their charity pot. So they've got their own charity and they go and self fund and they go down to local Tesco's or Sainsbury's and they'll shake buckets and try and get as much money as they can. Uh, but I think. Owen Core Jr. was talking to me the other day saying about how he wants to try and realign Amputee England with the FA. So at the moment they're not funded and because and because they're not under the Paralympic umbrella, possibly that could affect them. But if they keep getting results and they keep developing and they keep improving, who knows what will happen. Now, I say this, you know, not just because I'm representing the FA but because a lot of people might think well why don't the FA just give them the money 
the FA only get a certain amount of money to spread across all different disability football teams. Uh, so at the moment, so, uh, CP England are currently competing in their own tournament and therefore they get their funding and they get a certain bit of money. But the FA money can only go so far and it can't stretch across all the teams all the time. So they have to try and work out where they're going to put money for which team and for how long and how we're going to help them as much as we can with what we've got. But then equally you look at it and you go, why is it that all these football players are being signed for hundreds of millions of pounds and yet disability football players don't get money at all? And you could look at that any, any way, you know. Not just football, it's across all different sports. The disability side isn't encouraged as much as the able-bodied side. Uh, is my feeling overall. And you might agree, you might disagree, I don't know. Uh, but I feel with the improvement of players and the improvement of the teams and developments that you'll see throughout the years, who knows what's going to happen. Um, and it might come back under the Paralympic umbrella, it might come under the England FA umbrella again. So we will see. But with that argument there, uh, Peter, would you... Well, this is where I'm probably coming from now. Would you say that argument is down to sponsorship and television where the root problem is? Because it's not in the mainstream. Obviously, from a sponsorship perspective, they don't know you exist. Again, another difficult question. Uh, This is... A hard thing again for the TV side of things. So obviously, being involved in the BBC, you see how different departments have a set pot of funding, and they can only push that pot so far to as many different things as they can. So, going back to the MPC England team that I was raising awareness for with a documentary idea. So I went to the head of the documentaries and said, "This is an idea that I've got. I wrote up a treat, what's called a treatment, which is basically a synopsis of who they are and." why it's a good idea and how much funding we're going to need and so on and so forth. And I sent that forward to him and then I had a meeting with him and also the head of Get Inspired. And we sat down and talked about how we can get funding to try and go out to Mexico or how we can go and see them training crew and what we can do realistically according to how much money is involved. Now, yes, maybe they haven't got as much awareness because they're not funded as much. But then, you know, they're still an England team and they should be funded, which is quite annoying, really. Uh, And I feel like the only way you can start challenging the media is by promoting. And it's not being negative and saying, oh, why don't they do that? Why don't they do this? It's about actually saying, this is all the positive things that I can see in sport and this is why you should be covering it rather than, oh, why don't you cover us and... You know, you're not doing enough. I think that's a good argument there, Peter, in terms of look at giving it a positive spin uh, as opposed to giving... It's not... I, I know you say the argument is very much not. It's not black and white. It's very much a grey area in terms of, yes, they've got to... First of all, uh, and I like a few guests in the past have mentioned, sport is the entertainment industry. If you can't entertain uh, somebody, you get their attention for, oh, gosh, a duration of a game, you've lost them. So it's, it's keeping people engaged. It's, it's a difficult one from my perspective as to uh, a lot of times uh, the BBC don't do it as much. I think it's more so Channel 4, uh, obviously because they have the rights for the Paralympics. They like to focus more on the person's story, and I don't know if you'd agree with this, more so than the actual sport. And I think from a competitive standpoint, and having my uh, old head on now, I could care less about what, what the person's struggles uh, had up trying to come come through and probably vice versa, you're all going to have your own uh, story uh, and your own uh, adversity to overcome. At the end of the day, I think at that level, 
And I think maybe even at the grassroots and, and development stages of disability sport, because people often overcome disability and they see it day in, day out, they kind of put that to the back burner and, and kind of look at each other as, as athletes. Whereas I think the mainstream probably forget that sometimes. Yes, true. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying about how the stories, you know, you want to know less about the stories. But also that entertainment side of things, sometimes people want to know the stories because it's something that is, you know, incredible. That's why disability sport to me is the the best thing ever because these people have overcome such amazing things. Everyone is so different. No disability is exactly the same because everyone's had a different experience of it. And everyone's overcome hurdles differently rather than the same way and doing exactly the same. My, my journey to getting into the BBC or to becoming a, a representative of the FA or whatever else is different to how you've got involved in support yourself as well. And to me, that's the most important thing. These stories are very, very important. We don't want to lose that. Either. But then equally, I agree with what you're saying about how the sports is still the main thing. Uh, and sometimes people do need to understand actually, yes, these people have got amazing stories and yes, they are incredible for what they do, but it is what they do is the most important thing. And if they're playing football to a high standard or they're playing sitting volleyball, or they're playing whatever sport they're doing, to represent their country or to represent whoever they're representing, even if it's just a local team, they're still playing the sport and the sport is what they're passionate about. And I agree exactly what you're saying with, we need to know more about who they are. No, we need to know less about who they are, but more about why, why they want to do a sport and what the sport's about and how you can get involved in the sport. But how would you go about that? Because they're kind of engrossed in that kind of way of production. Now I don't see any way back from it. Yeah, I mean, well, for example, me pitching this idea about the Amputee England team, a lot of the things to try and get that off the ground, I had to think about how am I going to get people interested. And unfortunately, that is about going into the stories about you know, who these people are and why, why they're important to the whole story. But the way of changing things is just very slow. And everything takes a long time. We look at classification, for example, and how, I know it's a big story in this, and classification is such a big issue across not just football, not just athletics, not just one sport alone. The whole of disability sport has got an issue with classification because it's one person giving their opinion and not everyone's opinions can be the same. You know, some people might listen to this and think, this, this podcast isn't very good, but others will think, it's great, you know, it's down to opinion. And opinions, to me, are what defines sport. Because if I think I'm going to be the best at football, but you also think it, that then makes us more competitive. And classification is such a big issue at the moment. It's kind of swallowed the whole of disability sports up and put it in a place where you don't really want to put it. And therefore, the only way to get it back out again is by saying about how these amazing stories behind the people. So the way of getting it back onto more about the sport is by focusing on the actual sport itself and not worrying about the classification, not worrying about how you know, these people had to overcome this and overcome that to get there. But again, it just takes a long time, unfortunately. But then... On the classification point now, Peter, does it kind of, and this is probably more so athletics than any other sport now, hurt itself sometimes from, uh, we talk about very much sport being an entertainment. It having, uh, gosh, if I get this off the top of my head, I think like nine races in the nine, in the 100 metres. Does that kind of hurt it from an uh, entertainment perspective as opposed to in the Olympics, there's only one? Yes and no. Uh, it's, it's such a hard thing, isn't it? Classification is such an issue. Uh, and 
I don't think it'll ever be it'll ever go away because it's it's always going to be people's opinions that are getting in the way of this and getting in the way of that. And I want to have a, be represented in this or whatever. For the for football, on my own my own understanding of how football is, um, goes ahead at the moment, I've had a lot of issue about trying to get into the England team. I went for trials and I've I've um, you know gone to try and get into the England team, but I've never got there. Now, the reason for that, to me, is quite frustrating uh and i don't want to sound like i'm you know talking i'm downgrading how you know amazing disability football is and how incredible these people are but a lot of the time what they try and do is they try and get the least disabled people mm. in a more disabled category so for myself my physical disability was too much of a disability to go and represent an england team because i was too disabled if you like to represent them. But someone else who's got less of a disability and therefore can run faster, can do this, can do that a lot easier, they then got chosen um, and they, they can go and wear the England, England thing. Now, I'm not saying that I'm the most amazing football player and I should have had that opportunity because maybe I wasn't and maybe there were better players than me. But people have to do their thing to get there and sometimes that's them going to the gym for two hours and making themselves look more disabled before their classification. Uh, and again, I, I do know that some people have done that before, which to me isn't right at all. Now, disability sport is such an incredible thing. And I don't want to say you know, don't support the teams and don't do this at all because it is incredible. But there needs to be a better way of working out how to represent everyone but not losing the entertainment factor because as you said before we look at we look at 100 meters and how there's seven eight different categories you sit there and you watch the first race you go oh that's incredible you watch the second race you go yeah that was good and over time you start going oh so another one now there you go and it starts getting a bit frustrating for the for the person viewing it so to me you want to try and see the best perspective of disability sport encouraging everyone to take part encouraging no matter what your disability get involved but how do we then show that to be an entertainment factor and how can we encourage people to watch it or to consume it or whatever else but peter now coming from a broadcasting perspective this is probably they've probably thought about this but how i envision it wouldn't the easiest way around that be from a... I know if it's not the host broadcaster, it's a bit more difficult. Um, wouldn't it be a simpler way of doing that is to only focus on a race or uh, a match or whatever solely if there's British representation in it? And then obviously the entertainment factor... Uh, is a little yeah. bit of a factor, but you there is a sense of um, camaraderie, pride, being that you're back in the nation. Whereas I think within British sport, I think predominantly we'll show events and we've got no representation whatsoever. You think of the likes of the Americans, they would never do that. No. And yeah, I, I see exactly what you're saying. But then we've also got to think, Okay, so at the moment, disability sport isn't getting covered across all the different classifications that are there and all the different sports that are happening. But then you look at, I don't know, some, some of the incredible sports that do happen, not just disabled, but able-bodied sports that aren't then covered on TV. So handball, for example, which was featured at the 2012 um, Olympics, uh, they don't get the same coverage that they would do as football, for example, because the attention on football is so big and everyone is so drawn to football. And even in the BBC here, it's the biggest department because everyone is consumed by it and everyone has to focus on it. So not every single team, not every single classification will get the same attention, 
maybe uh, as what we would like and everyone is always fighting to have the best attention of course they are but then you know how do you how do you balance that out as a broadcaster between the most entertainment compared to the best stories compared to i don't know all the different areas of sport there are so it is a, it is a big challenge you know okay we might have some english representation but are they going to win the medal or are they going to achieve compared to i don't know for for example if you're watching Usain Bolt in a 100 meters race say no british people get into the final we're not not going to feature it because it's mm. Usain Bolt is you know running 100 meters so it's a hard one to to do because there's so much everyone wants something as a viewer you want to see this or you want to see that and you want to it goes back to that opinions thing again where everyone has their own opinion of how to view the best thing or how to see the best thing they want to see and you know it makes it quite hard for a broadcaster but it makes it quite hard to um for an athlete as well because they want to be seen they want to be shown and they want to be able to come back and feel like they're John Terry or they want to feel like they're this amazing person and then they might not get the coverage and it's a hard one it's a very hard one I think in fairness, Peter, I think the BBC probably punches above its weight at times when it comes to the Paralympic sport. I think I was asked this, it was a couple of years ago, I think it was by ITV, what is, uh, how did they word it? Do you, do you feel that you get enough coverage within the mainstream? And I think I was like, well, I think it was relative to football and rugby and whatnot within this country. I think I, I think my answer was, in fairness, we kind of get a, what is it, two to three week window. Okay. In an idealistic world, yes, it would be nice to get more than that, but it's, you, you, it's, it's, it's better than nothing. It's, that's, I think in all, on some simple terms, it's kind of a pecking order. You know football and rugby are at the top. Okay, money money probably got them to it. But it's like you, we've said all along, it's that entertainment factor. Um, but if sports are not put in to the f- forefront and shown to people, you're not expanding that audience. So the, you, if they don't, people don't know about it, they, they 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 might not find uh, that enjoyment factor. You didn't know about disability sport uh, until you got injury. So it's, I think it's, I think you touch upon this on your web, website. It is probably an underlying social factor where I think, from my perspective, the upper echelons of say classification you said that less in, impaired yeah. are more socially acceptable whereas the further you go down people i wouldn't say this is very much of nowadays but we you think of latter years they want to hide them in obscurity yeah um yeah it's hard, and everyone involved in sports wants to have the recognition they deserve because they are athletes and they are doing this amazing thing. Whether you're able-bodied or disabled, you're you're incredible because you're competing at a high level, or you're doing something that you love. Whether it's just playing for your local team or whoever it is, and. It's hard to make everyone happy all the time because some people are going to get upset. You know, you, you choose a choose who's going to go and represent your team in a country for for the World Cup, for example. Now, lots of players are going to be left out there, and lots of people are going to feel upset, and lots of people who are fans of those players are then going to feel upset that they're not picked. But then, the next time they might get picked, and someone else is left unhappy. So you're never going to win, and Unfortunately, as a broadcaster, you try and pick your moments, you try and choose the best things. And I, I agree that the BBC are you know, doing, doing really well. 
Channel 4 for disability sports are they have quite a lot of rights and are doing a good job as well. But you always feel like, yeah, what, what else could you do with it? Could you go further? Could you? Um, what could be the best thing we could do with, with disability sports? And again, that's down to the opinions of different people. Some people might say, I want to do this. Some people want to do that. And it's a hard, one. it's a really hard one to decide, really. And now going forward, Peter, what do you kind of envision with Why Can't We? What what do you want to kind of see the future for it as a an entity? So at the moment, um, I have a sort of aims thing on my website. And at the moment, it just says that I want to try and raise awareness of disability sport using social media, which is true. And I'd like to you know, obviously gain more followers and try and get more people interested and so on and so forth. But then also, I'd like to start making an impact on disability sports. Now, I won a Young Volunteering Award for football. So after my brain injury, I started coaching football. And I coached a local team called Wongas. And um, I started helping out there and doing what I could and became the head coach of their under-16 team. Then... Um, one of the other coaches of AFC Wimbledon, a good friend of mine, said, do you want to come and help coach there as well? So I said, okay, yeah, I'll come and coach. And I ended up coaching their pan-disability team um, and Down Syndrome girls team. That was a great opportunity just to you know, experience people loving sport for sport and not worrying about you know, becoming this amazing athlete or whatever else. Although, of course, you know, you get your occasional people that go, I want to be messy or I want to score the best goals. But that's that's sport for you. And you have to enjoy it while it happens. So I won this Young Volunteering Award because I coached over 200 hours of football, all voluntary, whilst doing a permanent job. Um, also representing disability on the FA Disability Committee, Kick It Out Youth Forum called Aspire, um, on the um, local, as the chairman of the local FA com- committee, I was doing lots and lots of stuff. I did talks for Active Surrey, some of the local schools as well. So I was doing a lot of stuff to try and raise the awareness of disability sports. And it did help a lot. And I was able to go to Wembley um, and receive this award at a charity shield match. Went onto the pitch, got presented with the award in front of all these fans and Jeff Hurst gave me the, gave me the thing uh, and it was amazing. It was incredible. And then I went to, um, went back to One Gas and they came into, McDonald's came and did a feature film on us uh, with Jeff Hurst, Carl Walker, Casey Stoney, Jack Rutter and Martin Keogh. Um And it was probably the best day ever, really, because you meet all your heroes and everyone was really happy enjoying football for being football and all the support we were getting. So I've kind of had, I feel like I've had my moment in the spotlight and now it's my chance to give back to people and start saying, right, this is your chance now to go and achieve your, whatever you want to achieve, whether it's coaching sport, whether it's playing disability sport, whatever it is, getting involved in disability sport in some way. Um, and you can be an able-bodied person, you can be disabled. There's a whole world out there in all different sports, not just football. I've talked a lot about football today. But there's so many sports out there and so many people are passionate about their sport. Uh, I, did, I do a lot of triathlons. I've been involved in cycling. Um, I did handball for a bit at the time. There's so many sports that you probably haven't even heard of. And for me, it's getting the stories out there. So people can understand, look how amazing the sports are, look how incredible these people are. So I'd like to look at changing Why Can't We maybe into more of a charity and more raising money to support teams and feature different teams or feature um, certain people. Maybe have a grant scheme or something for some disabled people. I'm not too sure yet. It's always to be decided. But at the moment... I'm passionate about trying to raise awareness of disability sports in any way I can, whether that's having a chat with yourself or 
whether it's going to a local school and telling these kids about journeys that I've been on and how to get involved really. Uh, playing, supporting, promoting, however, whatever you want to do, it all helps just to improve it. And then the coverage of the BBC yeah, will come with that. And my final question for you, Peter, before we wrap up the episode. If you had to summarise what we've been speaking about today for people to take away, what would that be? So overall, um, when, before we even started this conversation, uh, we were talking about your own journey through um, disability sports and how um, you've overcome different things and how the incredible journeys you've been on, changing sports uh, and the impacts on that, on, on yourself and having family to support you. Then we were talking about how disability sport is this amazing entity that people need to know more about. And to me, as a summary, I think we're talking about disability sports, not just through a playing perspective, but also through a broadcaster side of things and how to encourage more people to get involved in disability sports. So once again, Peter, thanks again for coming on the Mindset Game podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting James. It's been my pleasure. And before I forget, I would really appreciate it if you would be so kind as to leave a short review as it helps to get the podcast more notoriety and it will be more visible in future to others and thus helping more people, which my guests and I are all about. Once again, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time for another episode of the Mindset Game Podcast.